to another edition of the SBK betting podcast. We've reached the end of January and we are still reveling in the weekend that was not only a bit of a touch for the nap selections, but the SBK Clarence House chase materialized just as we all hoped, probably more than we had ever imagined. And it takes a lot to leave Willie Mullins shaking, Nikki Henderson pretty speechless, and an actual grown men to cry. One of those being on this very podcast, Ross Miller. You said you were going to be eating a piece of cake and having a cup of tea for this clash. I'd imagine a very soggy piece of cake once you had wiped away those tears. The, the cake never got a look in, actually, Jess. It stayed sat on the plate for the entire for the entire race, which anyone knows me knows that, that that's saying something. Um, a good few slices have been eaten since watching. I can't remember how many replays of it, uh, but yeah, it was. It's very rare that we get something built up that then delivers. Normally, something with horses, something happens, duck at the start, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we got the race that we've been looking forward to, and uh, we get to hopefully do it all over again in March. Yeah, absolutely. What a, a brilliant feat that both trainers are talking about the, the rematch so quickly afterwards. James, I'm sure you echo what Ross said. Tom and I have had a good look back at this race um, in a special little edition of, of how the race was won. But you know, from your from your standpoint, look, this was a race for the ages. And, and it's great that we can hopefully see these horses continue to clash for hopefully, fingers crossed, a few more years to come. Yeah, definitely. It was it was a cracking watch. I thought Paul Townend was perfect, really, on Egermain, who cut the corners, jumped exceptionally well, got an easy lead early on, first flow, didn't challenge him like we thought he might do. Um, Shishkin made a few mistakes, looked a little bit out of his comfort zone. As you, as you expect him to, he has done that on a few occasions, yet Shishkin was still able to find more and get ahead. It was a, a cracking watch. Um, going forward, I kind of echoed Willie Munns' thought straight afterwards. What, what does he do to, to, to change the result? And I think it's going to be quite hard, but um, Cheltenham's a little bit shorter, a uh, different track. Uh, he got into a cracking rhythm and that was his first real test um, in Ogermain. So he might well actually improve for it, which was you'll need to, but it was a fascinating contest and hopefully both will come out of all okay and both run up the form at uh, Cheltenham in the champion chase. Yeah, and again, definitely improved in that run. Um, the handicapper has, has viewed it, as we all imagine, very highly too. So where you're sitting here, James, I know we're going to chat about this in more detail when it gets to Cheltenham preview time, but come the second round two, um, Enigaman about three to one. I think Shishkin's uh, even money. For you at this stage, looking at it? I, I totally agree with the market. Like I agreed with the market just edging towards Shishkin last week. And for me, I've gone further towards the Shishkin count now. I I'd be surprised if 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 the, the result was turned around. Um, but Willie Mullins will be trying hard to to make that happen. But for me, Shishkin, I think he'll know where the winning line is, Nico de Bonville, and I think he's always just gonna just gonna claim him. But uh, it was a cracking watch and great advertisement for SBK. Yeah, Tom uh, agreed with that. Shishkin uh, probably uh, to to continue on his trajectory and and beat Enigman for the second time. Ross, your thoughts? I know that you couldn't view it as a betting race on Saturday, but looking at it from where we're at now, even money Shishkin, I quite like that. Yeah, I quite like even money Shishkin, but then the disparity in the prices again. And I I said it last week. I didn't have it as cut and dry as that. At the end of the day, he was beating the length, and he will definitely, you would hope, jump better going left-handed. But the other thing I'd just throw out there that I sort of discussed with someone in the week is there is just a case that maybe going that gear quicker 
Enigamine is just a better jumper and Shishkin struggled to jump as well at that pace. A bit like a, a, a good club player going into the international level at any sport. Maybe that was what got him out and it wasn't just the, the sort of jumping slightly left-handed around a right-handed track. That's why I throw out there, but no, I'd be with the other guys. I think Shishkin up that hill, if he's within a length, two lengths at the last, he just finishes like an express train. Yeah, I, I think we've seen him twice before at Cheltenham going up the hill. Can't wait to see him again, really. Um, fascinating clash come Wednesday of the festival week. But look, we've um, really enjoyed that race. As I say, SBK's sponsorship of it was brilliant too. Um, we'll look forward to seeing these horses back again. Um, but as I mentioned, great nap selections. Three out of the four coming in. For me, Royal Pagai, he was unlucky that this race really fell on the same weekend as the Clarence House Chase. Otherwise, we would all have given that victory and Rich Ritchie's hairstyle more attention because it was fantastic. Um, a, a second win of the Peter Marsh off that big weight. Molly Ollie's wishes came through after weakening in the market for myself, Tom and James. Yala Enki was another wonderful performance for Ross and taking his third Portman chase. And old Port bolted up for a wool special from Tom. And to top it all off, well, we were all team Shishkin. So a great weekend all rounds. And um, we... You know, looking at this this month of January, it's been pretty slow, but I think we were all pretty delighted that last weekend went as it was. Um, we've got the final weekend of January, which always means Cheltenham Trials Day. Last year, it was cancelled as a result of heavy rain and waterlogging. How much can change in a year? Good ground at Cheltenham again, which will massively possibly impact uh, results. And maybe we might not see all these runners appear on, on Saturday, but hopefully they stand their ground fair enough um, fields for some of the, the better races. We're going to look at, first of all, at Cheltenham, the 155 we'll start with, which is a handicap chase over two mile, four and a half furlongs. Magic Saint heads the betting at nine to two. Farinay, interesting coming into this race for the back of a great result, great win at Sandown last time, five to one. Galahad Quest, sixes, eights for Watmore and Cool Cody. Edin Dehu, 11s. Jack and Master at the games, torn and afraid. And she super Mac at 14 to 1 and Gallic Coast completes it at 28 to 1. Um, I will come to Ross Miller first um, and have a chat about this race. Nice, good quality handicap chase, having the likes of Cool Cody in here, loves Cheltenham. Farinay won't get the ground he had last time. Um, interesting horse in Watmore, who hasn't been seen for a long, long time. And uh fascinating that they bring that horse into this on on good ground after a couple of options they might have had and uh yeah it's a, a another another good quality handicap chase at Cheltenham yeah these two and a half mile handicap chase at Cheltenham do deliver time on time um but like you say it's it you'd like to think that the ground is going to be key here um I think looking at it there looks like there'd be plenty of pace Cool Cody likes to go forward. Even the Who likes to go forward. Torn and Fraid will probably go forward under Sam Twist and Davis. And Farinay was ridden unusually positively for a, for a sort of a Charlie Deutsch ride at Sandown. I think the ground's going to be lively enough for him. And you'd have to question the form. The second from Sandown has been beaten out of sight since, though the third did win. So that's a bit up in the air. Um, I really liked Watmore. I thought he's got good course form. Uh, he was uh, fourth in the 2020 Novice Handicap Chase at the festival. Henry Daly's in excellent form, and this horse will love the ground. He's dropped two pound for being away for 420 plus days, um, but he couldn't be coming back at a better time for the trainer. He's had a had a, a super year, 
and I just didn't think there was a, a huge amount in depth of it when you got into it. Galahad Quest is a horse I've really liked, and he's handicapped to win now, but I th had him as a soft ground horse, and I was disappointed with his performance last time, and I don't see how this good ground is going to help him change it around. Jackamar, I respect, but he hasn't got Danny Mullins this time, and I just suspect that the race last time, they went a bit hard a bit early, and it fell in his lap, and all his best form is on flat tracks. He's got to prove he'll do it around the undulations of Cheltenham. So that put me off. So a little bit by dint of uh, sort of dismissing a few others, Watmore was the one I came down on. I thought eight to one was a decent price in, a, in an open race. Yeah, I'd say eight to one. Elimination, a process of elimination a bit for Ross there. I, Watmore just thought fascinating. Don't know if he's had problems. Um, he's just the type that's been running well over the last three years, but without winning. Um, but we've seen horses on this podcast that have, have broken that. Um, that that duck in and, and got back to winning ways you say um, trainer form really crucial Tom come to you next thoughts on what more I know that you and Ross have, um, have actually agreed on a couple of uh, horses over the last while since you've joined us thoughts on what more yeah so I said last week that Ross and I never agree but it seems to be a common occurrence now um, I like what more in here as well the last four runnings of this race have all gone to front runners and in 2016, either uh, Anna Cotti and Tenor Nivene finished first and second, and they were first and second throughout. So I can see the case for Cool Cody. I just think he's waited to the hilt of 147. And that kind of just pointed me in the direction of Watmore. Um, he's not going to be up there, but he has previously raced keenly off the back of a layoff. Now, I don't think that's ideal. I think he'd be better if, he, if he's held up in the race and comes through with a late challenge, um, kind of like he did in the 2020 Northern Trust when he finished fourth behind Imperial Aura and Galvin. I mean, that form's brilliant, isn't it? Just look at what... I know Imperial Aura has been disappointing this season, but he's shaped as one of the leading um, chasers around last year. Galvin, obviously, uh, fancy for the Gold Cup. So that form's strong. What was running off a mark of 140. Set, he's raced seven times after a break of two months or longer. Um, he's recorded three victories, three places, and one unplaced effort. That's good enough for me. I think he's going to be ready first time up. He's a decent price around eight to one as well. I think he's the most talented horse in the race. So yeah, I'm, I'm with Ross on this one. He last seen uh, finishing second to York Hill when he when he won at Newcastle in that rehearsal chase at six six to one. A fabulous race, really, to watch there. And he was his favourite that day. I remember he was quite well supported. Um, but yeah, he's clearly had a couple of issues um, for the Henry Daly team to get him back to uh, to this and in, in, in what is a competitive race first back. James, you've heard what Tom said about Cool Cody. He's a horse that so admirable. He loves it around Cheltenham. Um, the, the Evan Williams team have said, you know, that when he won earlier in the season at Cheltenham, that was his Gold Cup. So nothing he needs to. He doesn't really need it to be to prove himself anymore yet. Do you think there's still a bit for him to find, a bit of juice there, or do you think the handicapper might have caught up with him? Well, it's round four for Cool Cody, uh, and there's not much imagination for Cheltenham's race planning because it's exactly the same handicap chase he's running. Uh, all the meetings we've been covering on SVK so far this jump season. Uh, for me, this is the weakest of the four, um, only 11 runners. There's a bit of pace on, but I don't think there's as much pace as what there was in the 19-runner Paddy Power back in November, where he was still going well when coming down two out, and obviously he won um, the Caspian Caviar, whatever it was called, back in December. So I'd forgive him last time, New Year's Day, because the ground was soft. He's got loads of form on a sounder surface, which kind of rules out Faraday a little bit if you're going to back the favourite because we don't know his French forms on, on softer ground. He may handle it absolutely fine, but that's got to be a little bit of worry. I echo Ross of Galahad Quest. I think he can win a race off his current mark, but I thought better last time. His patient tactics might not be seeing the best effect here. The guy is like, what more? Handicap perspective, he's got every chance, but 
as you say, Jess, he just struggles to win a, a contest like this in, in recent starts. So for me, Cool Cody, if you forgive his last run, which still wasn't bad, in a weaker round four as such, the Cheltenham handicaps, I'm going to stick with him 8-1. to one. I think he's a cracking each way bet. And I will just mention Spirit of the Game, because so I put him up a few times. Jack Andrews actually takes £5 off him. He's becoming disappointing, but the good ground might see him in a better light off a lighter weight. But uh, yeah, a few odd favourites, but Cool Cody, he's the choice here. Yeah, he never runs a bad race at Cheltenham. He's always, he's an animal type. Harry Skelton up at Doncaster. So Jack Andrews gets a good race, big race ride off Spirit of the Games. Um, Ross has already mentioned the horse that I'm going to put up, which is Jack Amar, and the fact that Danny Mullins uh, was pretty inspired that day that he also won the King George at Kempton. Paddy Brennan is on board this time. Whether they'll go and and, and pick the hold-up style again will be interesting to see. Cheltenham is a, a bit of an unknown quantity um, as well. He has run there before, um, back in uh, when he was uh, over hurdles, and he didn't run too badly. He was fourth there in a handicap. But um, he needs to, and he, but he's just slightly less exposed. He's only got a mark of 133, up three pounds. I think the handicapper probably didn't know how to really assess that win last time. Um, and I don't think that's uh, too bad. And Mark Milton Harris still continues on flying form this year. And as a son of Mac Maxios, he's just, he's just a, a little bit more of an unknown quantity, only his fifth uh, chase start as well. Um, and he's a 14 to one chance. I think that's a nice, that's a nice price for a race like this. Um, with each way places available. Um, so we'll head on into the Cotswold Chase at 2.30, over three mile, one furlong and a half. Always has been a guide, as this is Cheltenham Trials Day for the Gold Cup, won a couple of years ago by uh, Santini, um, who's back in this race um, again. He's now with Polly uh, Gundry, he's 8-1. Chantry House, who uh, didn't really give his Gold Cup credentials Great light in the King George. Um, they've got cheap pieces on him for the first time. He's even money. Uh, I, I write 72 coming out of Handicap Company. Simply the bets is 92. And Costa Rico completes um, what's just a five-runner race at 66 to one. Doesn't light you up. I'll come to you, Tom, first. Light us me up in terms of a Gold Cup trial. They've been very positive about Chantry House despite that run where... You know, you can break down the King George and how fast they went and the track not might being right for him. The cheap piece is not sure what you make about that. But even money, do you think he's that's, that's the, the market has got it right, essentially? Well, like you say there, it's, it's not the best uh, trial. I don't think Trials Day in general is the best trial for the actual festival. I think we may see a max of one um, winner running on Saturday that's going to run at Cheltenham. And we're about to talk about him in the next race. Um, but in this Chantry House, I just think it's really hard to get away from him. Now, that doesn't mean that I want to back him. Um, I just think th his opponents in this race are just inferior um, and therefore opposing Chantry House could be a bit foolish. Now, as you mentioned, there are reasons potentially, we don't know for fact, but potentially why he disappointed in the King George. The pace early on, he didn't seem comfortable from the outset. He didn't jump very well and he was wide on the course. But if you look, to his look at his form before then, he was eight out of 10 in his career, a dual grade one winner. Um, he just looked a real promising sort who could be the, the new horse um, in the Gold Cup trail. Now, he didn't work out at Kempton. I'm going to put a line through that um, just for the purpose of this race, thinking that he's the best horse in here. I mean, Santini, how could you back him? Corto Rico just isn't good enough. I write there's two runs at Cheltenham. He just jumped poorly both times. And simply the bets has regularly fallen short of graded company. So I think it's really hard to take on Chantry House, but I'm not massively keen to back him at even money. 
Yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, I, I, look, it's a uh, it's it's a race as you say doesn't have a huge amount of depth and uh, is very difficult to pick holes in in a horse like Chantry House who you've got you could forgive him for that last run. Cheltenham form counts. Simply the bets does have it. Um, he does have the Cheltenham form going back um, from 2020 and Ross um, that win in the Brown Advisory when he was with uh, um, Harry Whittington. He looked to be a horse with plenty of potential, didn't really go right for that team. He's now with Paul Nichols. And that second last time out at Cheltenham, there's probably a lot to be encouraged with with him. But is he up to this? Yeah, I, I, I thought he was worth chancing. I think Chantry House is the most appalling price. He's rated 160, quite how I don't know. Um, okay, put a line through Kempton last time. He... One at the festival, beating Fusel Raffles, who's a one-five-one horse, beat him three lengths. He was a wide margin winner at Aintree, um, but Esport Rome was upsides, and you could argue was going as well. Esport Rome is a mid-one-fifties horse. Um, I, I just don't see it. And now Nicky Henderson reaches for cheap pieces, which is a very uh, unlike Nicky Henderson move. Um, suggests to me that they're they're worried and they're guessing. Simply the bets carried a big weight in the handicap last time and stayed on Dowley to the line. Um, I quite fancied him for the for the race at Aintree, but the ground was appalling and I'd happily put a line through that. He gets four pound from uh, both Chantry House and I Wright. So on the on the weights and the figures, he comes out the best horse in the race. Um, good ground should help him see out the trip. Um, Harry Cobden's had a spin on him now last time, knows the horse. Um, I thought he was... Of, of the horse in the in the race, it's probably a race I won't have a bet in, but if I had to have a bet, he would be it because I think he's got the most improvement in him. I write is a very solid horse. Tom's absolutely right. He hasn't jumped well his last two visits to, to Cheltenham, but he was given a particularly poor ride by Richard Johnson at the festival. Um, and Callum Bewley does get on very well with him. So I wouldn't dismiss him, um, but I thought simply the bets had plenty going for him and and I'm not afraid to, to chance a horse up in trip that looks in its run style like it will stay. Do you think that this race, tactically, it could be a race that a horse could get to the front and, and try and work? I couldn't try and work out the tactics, how, that how they worked out. I thought cheap pieces, which, you know, as you say, Nicky Henderson is not, not, not used to be putting on horses, although he did put them on Santini when he was second in the Gold Cup. And that sort of, that really got his momentum going. I remember fighting up that hill. Just wonder, I'm intrigued thinking about how Nico de Boinville might elect to ride the likes of, of Chantry House. And, 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 and would that play in the favour of a horse that might just want out and go on and if those cheap pieces don't work for him? Yeah, it, you think if they put cheap pieces on, they're going to want to be positive. Wouldn't make sense to put cheap pieces on and then sort of try and drop him out at all so you could see i write is normally written positively he doesn't have to make it but they like to be quite positive with him um santini you imagine the only way to ride him is to go as fast as you can for as long as you can or as long as he'll let you um so it, it's got the makeup to be a messy race um and i could just see harry cobden getting a nice toe round the horse has got plenty of speed so he'll be able to stay in touch um and then if he does stay i think he's he's got enough class that he he could be graded class in time. Yeah, interesting. I, I agree. I think these races, they can be quite messy. Um, although 
personally thinking think that Chantry House should have too much class if they really believe this horse is as good as you know that he shows to be that they've been talking about the Gold Cup since day one this should be an easy easy enough task for him James you've heard from Tom you've heard from Ross um, Tom and I are pre pretty similar in our thinking Ross thinks that he is beatable that he is the wrong price at even money uh, as it stands right now um, do you think, do, are you in agreement with, with the Ross camp or the, the Tom and, and my camp? Uh, I just don't know what he's ever achieved, Chantry House. I know he keeps winning up into the King George, but everything seemed to go his way. I've never been particularly convinced by him. He should win, really. Um, but again, I agree with Ross that his price is too short. I love I-Rice. I love the, the connections, Harriet Graham. Um, they get this horse in top form. He's been in big handicaps where he's jumping stands him in good stead. He always looks like he's just going to get caught. And it's great to see him win one again at Kelso uh, the other day. He's right in Newcastle. Um, having got to beat at Kelso the time before. He ran well at Cheltenham. I know Tom says jumping wasn't great, but I kind of in what Ross says, perhaps Rich Johnson didn't really gel with him on his first time on board. Callum Moody knows him exceptionally well. And interestingly, Brian Hughes rode him at Kelso on his comeback. Trip was too short, but it was a below par effort. And it does appear Callum is, is the man really to, that gets on well with him. And I just felt he'll probably have a relatively easier time travelling on the front end rather than those big field handicaps where that's where he put his jumping under a little bit more pressure. Santini looked pregnant when it ran at um, Cheltenham on his comeback. He he was was heavy in, in, in the paddock. So he actually ran well. He just kind of collapsed going down the hill and couldn't get back up it again. If it was softer ground, I thought he would actually run much better than his price suggests. I just worry he's going to be outpaced on, on the quicker ground. But he will step up a lot for that comeback run because he, he needed it pretty badly. I'm not sure about the stamina, simply the bets. So it's a, it's a race I'm looking forward to watching because I've not got a strong conviction. I was going to go for the horse that I like the most, and, and that's I right. I think he's a, a cracking character for a cracking outfit. Yeah, he really is. We've seen a lot of these um, northern um, connections having good uh, good results in these bigger races, and better luck to the I write team, you know, now for Mark of 159, there's not many options um, for him in, in handicap company. They've got to give things like this a go and it, and it makes it all the more interesting. Um, but look, I think it is a, it's a confidence thing in Chantry House. He's made some, he's, he's been turned over at short prices at this track before at Cheltenham. Um, he went off favourite in, in the end for the King George, very last minute as well. There was a lot of support for him. And he, uh, he just couldn't go with them at all. So whether you can put a line through that and see the real Chantry House appear, it's, uh, it, it's difficult to see. Um, Tom and I are keep, um, keeping in the Chantry House camp. Um, I write to James and we have got Simply the Bets for Ross. And um, we'll head into the Cleve Hurdle, um, another um, Chel Cheltenham trial race for the Sayers at 3.05. And uh, Champ has looked, and it looks like this is their route that they're going. They were umming and ahhing whether he might become their Gold Cup horse again, but looks like they're keeping Chantry and Champ separated. Champ has got John Joe O'Neill Jr. back on board after uh, the victory at Asker in the Long Walk Hurdle. Um, he heads the market eight to fifteen. Fabulous is five to one with Paisley Park. Isnagar Oscar is twenty-five to one, and Danny Mag. 66 to 1. Fabulous is the curious horse because he had a bit of a setback. Well, Nichols said he wasn't 100%, probably just needed that run when he was second in what was a bit of a messy rail kill. Paisley Park 
he's uh, he's been third every time he's run this season. Whether he's uh, he's up to this on the better ground is interesting. And Isnagar also got 25s and Danny Mag sort of make up the field. They've been pretty disappointing this season. So, Camp, is he a bet to nothing? Is he not? Tom, I'll come back to you first. It's uh, I think it's hard to see past Champ. Um, yes, he's had his quirks. Whether he's a horse that was just got you know it it fell fell right for him. We know that he's he's won here at Cheltenham before. It's really hard, I think, to see past him. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'm pretty sure Champ will win this race, but it's a short price. It's an unoriginal selection. He's the one horse I think that could go towards the Cheltenham Festival and then win the Stairs Hurdle. Um, I don't think that's a, a really competitive race, and actually, I don't fancy Champ to win it, but I think he can win it. Um, whereas other horses on trials day, I don't really think they've got too many uh, claims for the festival um, in March. Champ in here is just overmatched. His rivals are overmatched. Champ's the best horse in the race on the back of that long walk victory. Um, I think if he repeats that, he'll win again pretty comfortably. Um, there's no value in his price. I probably won't be betting in the race. If you fancy an each way bet in a five runner race with a short price favorite, which I'm sure many people won't, uh, Liz and Oscar could be the one if he bounces right back. But as you mentioned earlier, his form this year has just been pretty poor. He's around 25 to one though. So he is a decent price if you're looking for that horse to finish second. Uh, but Champ should should and probably will win this race, Jess. Uh, yeah, I, I could find it difficult to disagree with you. I tried to fancy him at Fabulous. I really liked this horse in the past. I just think the only concern is the last time he ran over three miles and long distance hurdle. Looked to me like he didn't stay. But James, come to you. Feel like you are thinking otherwise. Look, I think Champ is a better short price favourite in Chandry House and it's probably going to be McManus Henderson double but both of them are a little bit iffy uh, I put McFabus up last time for the rail kill hurdle and the market in the morning told you he wasn't going to be fit enough so the fact he ran that well and he got beaten a couple of lengths for Stormy Island he set on nicely up the hill you're quite right he looked like he might not have quite got home behind Time Hill at Newbury last year trying three miles I'll give him another chance purely because I think Pacey Park he you kind of know Champ is going to be able to beat him on the form at Ascot. And I just thought McFabulous having had another wind off over the summer and he'd had an accident in the yard, which meant he was, had a delayed comeback. And like I say, the market's normally quite strong at Paul Nichols when they come back for an absence and it really did scream that he would need it. So I thought that was a, was a good run. I was quite impressed with that. And I just felt I can't be putting Champ up at a, at a short price like Chandry House. So I've gone for two that, that I like as individuals. Probably not going to be surprised if they don't win, but I think they've certainly got a bit of, bit of hope of reversing the form. Okay, got to try and take these horses on, especially when they're eight to fifteen. Ross, you usually like to take on a, a short price horse. Paisley Park is a horse that you have you sided with in the past on this podcast. He's won this race in the past. They they he's a kind of horse that Emma Laval said they he needs to run. They they really missed this race last year when it was uh, when it was cancelled. But he also needs soft ground. Uh, so it's difficult to really feel confident in him. Also, he's a horse that, you know, he hits those flat spots. He needs quite a strong gallop. I found it difficult to see where the pace would come here um, with these sort of pretty uh, out-and-out downstairs. It'll be interesting to see how they're all ridden because Champ had what was with Ronald Pump in the race at, uh, at Ascot, quite a nice, uh, nice toe into the race. So interesting to see how it develops first, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. B, are you going to give Paisley Park... Um, another chance? Uh, no, I'd love to, but I, I think the ground is too is going to be too lively. Um, I'm, I'm delighted to see Champ here. I, I, 
like tipped my panty post uh, for the stairs before we ran in the in the long walk, and I was terrified they're going to go back over fences. So I'm delighted it looks like they've they've laid their bed, so to speak. Um, it's it, it's a race that's very difficult to want to have a bet in, isn't it? Um, I think Champ should win. I think he will win. The only thing you'd say is that maybe John Joe got to the front too soon last time at Ascot, um, and they were closing on him. The fact he's had experience, he's a good jockey. He's not likely to make the same mistake again. But there isn't an awful lot of pace in the race. And there is a chance that he could get left in front um, and might then be vulnerable to a closer. I don't think it would be McFabulous. I don't see how if he doesn't stay three miles in the long distance at Newbury, he's going to stay three miles around a stiffer track at Cheltenham. Um, so maybe that closer would be at Paisley Park. But I just think he'll be closing from too far back having got outpaced down the hill um so it's a it's a race to watch you know and, and if you fancy champ you might be more confident coming out of it for the stayers um if you fancy classical dream for the stayers you you know and, and champ gets turned over you'd probably be even more confident for that but um it's an information gaining race not a not a betting race for me yeah certainly because i think if that pace angle does end up being a hindrance for champ we know that that probably most likely will not be the case come the stairs hurdle where they you know the likes of floor and porter classical dream will go out and set a, an honest gallop out front so possibly not the best type of prep race for any of these horses into a stairs um but someone's got to win and maybe class will outshine so we'll see i'm i'm sticking with with champ at 8 8 15 it's pretty short but he looked uh he looked at a solid stayers hurdle horse and he jumped really well at Ascot and uh, I, I think that this is the perfect prep into to that for that race and I think that the Henderson team are probably quite delighted that they're stuck to hurdles because he's not been the best over the bigger obstacles so a lot safer bet for him um, so that is the Cleve hurdle at 305 we're going to head up to Doncaster where they've got a really good um, decent card good ground up there as well um, but uh, definitely worth keeping an eye on um, a lot of these races. And I know we've got some nap selections outside of this race that we're looking at. at um, but for the purpose of a betting perspective, it's definitely the most competitive. It's the, the handicap chase over three miles at 3.20, where Foozle Raffles, a horse that links in with um, plenty of form from some of the horses that we've talked about earlier on, not least Chantry House, is um, heading the market at five to one. He, he's uh, followed in by Captain Ord at sevens, DBCs at nines with Cap Course and De Machine, 14 to one for Midnight Shadow and Canelo, Grand Sancy at 16 to one with Danica, Hurricane Harvey, 18 to one, bar those. So some of these horses that we might have uh, likely thought to have seen like the likes of Midnight Shadow um, in the race at Cheltenham, up for this, up for the three miles, 18 fences to jump. Um, James, I'll, I'll head to you first because this is, um, a race where, you know, again, plenty of these horses that we've seen um, compete against each other across the course of the season. Um, I thought Cap Course was interesting after that brilliant win in the Peter O'Sullivan Memorial Chase. Um, Foozle Raffles has got a lot of ability and showed that um, at Cheltenham last time. Doncaster is a different type of track for a lot of these horses. It's, uh, yeah, it was, a, I think, a really, really good contest to get your teeth into. Oh, definitely. It's competitive and as low as you can give a chance to. And one of my old favourites, Midnight Shadow, I'm slightly surprised he's not in our Cheltenham contest because the three miles are still a question mark. And also a lot of his best forms at Carlisle or Cheltenham, both undulating tracks. 
and the flat track at Doncaster. I'm not convinced you're going to get a bit of value. Uh, he's around 14 to 1 of SBK at the moment if you want to take that chance because handicap rating wise, I think he's got a, every chance of 155, but I'm just not convinced he's as good on a, on a more conventional track and, and he's excelled at Cheltenham on so many occasions. So I'm going to go for one outside of the form we've seen all year, and that's DBC. He was having his second start for Dan Skelton. He probably disappointed that he got beat actually at Sandown on his one run for them last year. That was midway through the season. He'd switched yards from the Tim Vaughan yard. Fortescue, his, the winner of that contest, who's beat four lengths, he's actually rated £15 higher now. He's had a good season for Henry Daly. So while he was a 2-1 to favourite and they're probably disappointed he got beat, in the cold light of day, it looks a, a bit of a better effort. They've given him wind surgery over the summer. Your only concern is he's had two intended engagements after Sandown. He's not taken part on the day for self-certificate reasons. So he's probably not the easiest to keep sound. Against that, he's been a bit of strong anti-post support on the run-up to this contest. And I thought he could still be very well handicapped of one three five. So he's my choice, but that's really open. And I think he could put up five or six and, and have a have a contender. It's a really really interesting race to look forward to. Well, while Tom and Ross seem to be partnering off, I think James and myself are, because I do really like DBC as well. I think Harry and Dan Skelton can plot a horse out properly. Um, this is a bit of a project horse who clearly, as James, you said, has, has had his issues. Um, and the wind surgery, I think it might be two lots of wind surgery he's had now, um, is, is interesting. Um, he's got this, this good ground, which I think will suit him. Um, and I think he comes in here, if he show refines for his old form of a pretty decent mark of 135 um and uh, i like that price um for for the skeleton team who banged out winners last weekend at ascot um the skeletons have a good load of horses up at doncaster that they're aiming them at, at. and uh, yeah i very much agree with james here um but as we've said completely um respect a lot of these horses that are coming into us ross i know there's one in here that i remember well you tipping up for that um peter o'sullivan uh, chase and that was cap course who came he had a remarkable return to the course to win that so well um i thought up eight pounds fair enough but he still could be well handicapped yeah absolutely up, up eight pounds to a mark of 139 um i see no reason to desert him now um doncaster would be a, a flat left-handed track so similar to, to newbury um and i thought it was very interesting after the race you could tell that paul nichols was was fairly confident before that he would get the race uh, won. Um, and they clearly think a lot of him and, and think he's better than just a, a handicapper. So if if that's right, a mark of 139 shouldn't be beyond him. I like that he's been given plenty of time between his races because he's clearly not the easiest to train. Um, and as you said at the start of the start of the podcast, it's been a quiet enough January in the racing. Well, it certainly has for Paul Nichols every year they get their flu jabs and this is often the weekend that he kicks forward. Um, Lorcan Williams is, is riding very well this season. Um, I saw no reason to, to, to leave the horse alone and I, I'd be disappointed if he didn't go close. Yeah, I thought, I was confused as to why he wouldn't be short of the 9-1 to as we speak. I'd imagine that will come in because as you say, maybe it is the fact that Paul Nichols has just been slightly quieter. He's back from Barbados, he's had his two weeks, he's back with his runners. He, he, he sort of aims that time for his horses to be quiet, for him to be quiet, and then he comes back with a bit of a bang. Um, and it was good to see a, a, a horse in the shape of Danny Kerwin win well for them this week too. So the, 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 the team... Uh, flying out with some of the winners too. Um, so cap course for Ross. Um, Tom, we'll complete this as, as we've all said, competitive, really good race, probably the race of the weekend from a betting point of view over jumps. 
yeah, it's a wide open market. You can make a case for all but every single runner in the field. And because of that, I want to take one at a price. Now, I completely respect DBC and Capcourse, though I think he's very fragile. Um, he hasn't been seen very often. And that Newbury Peter O'Sullivan Memorial Chase is always his target. Um, so here I'm going to go for Hurricane Harvey. Now, he's a big price, 18 to 1. And kind of factored into that price is his lack of fluency over his fences, which is a concern. But look, we're getting a massive price, so you can take that kind of risk with Hurricane Harvey. Uh, this track will suit him perfectly at Doncaster, a flat galloping track. He's running off um, a low weight. He only has 10 stone three on his back, which has to be a help. He's a closer in a race with plenty of speed. So I think he can pick off one or two coming up um, in the straight and hopefully uh, run into a place. And more importantly, Doncaster not only will suit the way that he runs and, and also being flat and not undulating, but he won a grade two at this track in 2020. Um, I think he's best suited to Doncaster out of any track in the country. And I think that's a big key to Hurricane Harvey. So fingers crossed he can uh, put in a clear round because I think he can hit the frame at a big price. The form of the Fergal O'Brien team, they seem to be up and down, up and down. They obviously target big Saturdays as well. But do you think that they're in, they're in all right form? He's still getting winners, albeit not the same rate he was in, in the autumn and early winter. Uh, but Fergal always seems to do that. Those first Cheltenham meetings of the year, he seems to get winner after winner, especially in the bumpers. Then he has a bit of a quiet spell. And then he starts knocking them in again in the spring. I think the better ground will, will suit his horses, and especially Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got quite a big weekend um, coming up, Imperial Alcazar as well. So, uh, yeah, interesting to see how his horses run. Um, and uh, thank you, Tom, to complete um, what we've looked at in terms of the four main races looking at uh, this Saturday, the final Saturday in January. We finally got there uh, to the end of this month. But as always, we're going to look at, um, to uh, each, of, each of the guys for the Naps and ne Next Best. Again, as I said earlier on, Naps were pretty strong last week so I'm hoping that we can continue on guys um so I'll come to you first James um for a nap and your next best uh well an answer prayers is my nap in the river Don which isn't a very strong grade two up at Doncaster I like the horse when I saw him at Wincanton last time out uh Tom Cannon gave him a smart ride because he cannot hit the front too soon he lost the race at Warwick when he actually first passed the post but got disqualified um Blue Stello was a horse who got awarded the race he was second to stage star at Newbury and last time Tom just sat and sat and sat and producing from the last. He picked up really nicely. I think stepping up to three mile will suit. Doncaster's a nice track where you can sit and wait and wait and wait. And I think he'll be doing just that. So hopefully Josh Moore, who's back in the saddle after horrendous industry in, in a fall at, um, at Plumpton, he can get a, a pretty much a winning return because uh, Josh worked extremely hard and it's great to see him back in action. And I think this is quite a nice horse in what is quite a weak read too. And the next best is one I like that hasn't gone on until Oscar Elite runs in the 120 at Cheltenham. He was my novice chaser to follow after his comeback. Uh, he was travelling extremely well, came down, I think it was three out behind three and the five. Hunting Dunning never travelled a yard. The Tizard team were just starting to drop off a cliff. And then at Cheltenham on New Year's Day, I thought he didn't run too bad behind Long Press. He actually broke a blood vessel, which is why he's not the nap, because it's a little bit of a worry. But the form's still pretty strong off one three seven and a handicap. If he repeats any of his earlier form, second at uh, the Royal Meet at Cheltenham back, back in March, third at Ahoy Senor at Aintree, those two pieces of form suggest he's quite a nice horse and he might get back on track. That's the 120 at Cheltenham Oscar Elite at about seven to one. Brilliant. Thank you. And to Ross, you gave us Yala Enki last week as your nap. Who is it this week? I'm, I'm with James at the 245 uh, unanswered prayer for all the above reasons. I think he's a progressive horse. He's looking easier each time he runs he's learning on the job 
it doesn't look a strong heat um, and I'd expect him to go very close. And my next best is Cap Course at Doncaster. I think £8 is a lenient rise, a progressive young horse uh, for a trainer I hope will have a big weekend. Brilliant. Nine to one cap calls. Eleven to four. We're doubling up with our naps, unanswered prayers. Big confidence boost behind the Chris Gordon runner up at Doncaster. Tom, you gave us a brilliant winner to end what was a fantastic day last Saturday at Wolverhampton. I hope there's some more pot of goals that you're looking to to clean up on the all weather somewhere on Saturday. Yeah, well, you know me, I always go to the all-weather for my nap. Um, I was tempted to go to the US for the Pegasus World Cup, but I'll stick to the domestic action. Um, yeah, last week I said four to one about Old Port. Now, I've been mocked all week in the group chat. Four to four one. To one. Here he is. Four to one. <laughs> Look, he opened nine to four with seven <laughs> odds on. Um, I, that's not going to be the case for this week's nap, which is Water of Leith in the 420, uh, 4.23 at Lingfield. Now, this is a wide-open handicap. Um, you should get a decent price about this horse, Water release because he's not the easiest, as uh, James was keen to tell me before we, before we came on air for this pod. And he's right. He gets water to post. He's often slowly away, and he needs luck in running because he comes from last as a result of being slowly away. However, he entered handicap company off a mark of 91. Then he fell right down the weights down to 68, mainly due to the fact that he was running on turf. He's just so much better on synthetics. Um, he just doesn't run to the same kind of level on grass. Now, he returned after a short layoff earlier this month and produced the most eye-catching second-place finish um, behind a horse called Desert Lime, trained by George Bowie, who's obviously an SBK uh, ambassador. Um, I thought Water of Leith should have won that race. Phil Dennis just got stuck in a bit of traffic with half a furlong to go, ran up the back of Desert Lime, and then he flew once, get, uh, once he got into clear, um, clear passage again. He was only beaten half a length. Now, he's only been put up one pound for that. I think that's very lenient. This is a horse who's really well handicapped off. Of 69. Hopefully, we can get a better price than four to one. If he goes off eight to 11, I'm retiring from the podcast. Well, there we go. We've heard it here. There's a pretty, pretty good case. James Silverman is having to, to just listen to that for Water Leith, who uh, I know this looks like a bit of a tricky horse, but Tom is confident. So let's hope that this ball keeps rolling for his all weather selection. Your next best, uh, quickly, please. Yeah, the next best is Watmore. We've already covered him um, in plenty of depth. Ross and I both fancy him in the 155 at Cheltenham. I think the ground will suit him. Um, and look, he goes really, really well after a break. So the layoff isn't a concern for me. Henry Daly will have him spot on. Hopefully you can track the pace and come through with a strong late run. Great stuff. Well, I'm going to keep it simple. Nap for Chantry House even money. I think his class will prevail. I'd imagine that might get shorter. It is even money as we speak uh, for Chantry House. Jackamar's my next best at 14 to 1. I think that's too big for a horse that's uh, been uh, given a bit of a gift by the handicapper, only a few pounds up from his last win. Is a different task for him at Cheltenham, but I think that uh, Paddy Brennan, if he can uh, reuse the, the tactics that Danny Mullins um, showed last time, then he could be in there as, as a place horse. So that's a a race that I think was uh, going to be fascinating to watch as is all the racing at Cheltenham on Saturday um, and don't, don't forget to watch that too. Um, next week, I will not be here. I'm away, so I'm letting the boys loose. So best of luck, guys. Hopefully that all goes well. Um, and we come back um, and we've got more, more winners to uh, unveil for me. Um, that will be the Dublin Racing Festival. So there'll be plenty to look forward to ahead of um, the first weekend in February. But in the meantime, I'll be back the week after. And I ask you to please subscribe, uh, retweet, um, listen, make sure that you tell your friends, the SBK Betting Podcast, hopefully plenty of winners for you this weekend. And we'll be back with you soon. Mm -hmm.